ASI, episode 24, season 3 of the podcast. The fractured machine, you say that you're clean, but maybe you're the same interview for you today. Uh, it's going to be awesome. All right. Um, how do I put this? Crippling Machine. That's a band that's Rotterdam November is the name of that band. And there's folks who can break down this idea in our heads that getting help is like entering into the crippling machine, right? Whether you're going to church to get help or wherever you go to get help, there's just some folks who who have the gift of being able to meet you where you're at. And, and today's guest is one of those guys. Uh, he doesn't have to be the rock star, right? He would see more of himself as the... Uh, the pellet gun rather than the shotgun. <laughs> I don't know. If we use that analogy as to do the bumper music that he... Um, but here we go. This is my interview with Scott Mitchell. Love this guy. Love this man. Love his mission and his uh, and his heart. So, yeah, get right into it. Here we go. Scott is on the show. Yes, I have a pastor on the show. I know. I know what you're thinking. Just chillax a minute, all right? We're going over the uh, 12 steps a little bit on the podcast. I've been going through them uh, periodically. Uh, step four, we've been talking about that, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Uh, step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects from our character. Um, you and I got to chat a little bit while you were here in, in Everett. You were a pastor here at the, uh, the Marsville campus in, in Everett. And, uh, you know, I really liked your story. You're kind of, you're just this kind of regular guy. That's what I really dig about you, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the you're not the author type. You're not too polished, and I and I really appreciate that about you. So I wanted to you know, like I've talked about before, um, more of a guy in the in more in a professional grade um, dealing with these spiritual issues and your story. Um, 
as far as moving from the Seattle area, we kicked off the show with a little Pearl Jam there, um, <laughs> Pearl Jam bumper to kick off the show. But you have moved, um, picked up, and um, you're no longer a pastor at Mars Hill Church in the Seattle area, in the Everett area here, but you've picked up and uh, and moved to Texas. Yeah, Denver, like, Texas. Right. Um, talk about that a little bit, Scott. What uh, it's kind of like you know smuggling beer into Milwaukee. A lot of people might think, right? As far as uh, going to a morally spiritual place and setting up a church. Yeah, I had a lot of a lot of uh, friends uh, tell me that. They're why are you planting in Texas? Don't you know there's enough boots on the ground and we've we've got it handled. And I so I, it really drove me to do an investigation. And what what my friends told me was. Uh, don't you know, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth is the buckle of the Bible Belt? And I was like, okay, uh, all right. So I did some investiga- investigating and just found out that there's actually more non-Christians in Dallas-Fort Worth area than there is in western Washington, and that's based on just relig- purely religious affiliation. And I found it quite interesting to think that, um, you know, my, my friends would tell me uh, – you know, they've got it handled down there when there's churches closing left and right, when there's churches that all they do is simply preach morality without, like, actual, like, heart change that Jesus brings. Um, right. And you, you've got these churches who, who talk about that. And look, listen, I love churches, man. I love church very, very much, and I love the pastors down here. But the truth is, is that if Dallas is the buckle of the Bible Belt, then Christianity's pants are falling down. So, and, and so, yeah, just just coming down here and preaching and proclaiming the good news, uh, I've found that most uh, most Christians down here hang out with only Christians. So they think that there's only Christians down here when there's a whole segment of the population that is just doesn't know Jesus at all. That, that even though people think that everybody down here has heard the gospel, they haven't heard the gospel. They haven't heard that Jesus. Uh, lived and he died and that he rose again. That's that's part of my story too, Scott. And that's why, uh, you know, uh, first it was it was a, a secret church in Marysville that really got a hold of my heart and really started to unpack the gospel for me, because what I had grown up in was sort of like that, you know, morality based Texas religion, um, you know, trying to be good enough. Um, right. God loves. There uh, was a book I was reading by Brendan Manning, and and he hit the nail right on the head. And I actually, I'd actually heard this before. You know that God loves the good little children. And here I am, a kid in in Sunday school, going, um, what what? Uh, I might be in trouble here. I might be in trouble. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I don't know about that, man. So and, yeah. and just growing up with that kind of. You know, do this, don't do those things. These things are good moral things. Those things are bad things. God loves people who do these things. God loves people in this tribe, right? And and he's he's kind of – so I, I feel you, man. And, and what happened with me was a couple of pastors – and it was funny. I, I didn't have the money to go see, like, a psychotherapist. So I went to see this, this pastor because my marriage was falling apart. My life was falling apart. And they really got to, you know, unpack the gospel for me. I mean, I just I brought this book in, in the Bible, and I'm saying, this is just about morality and being a good person, and I can't 
seem to do it, right? Right. And then the rest of it's just fairy tales and stuff. So so they helped walk me through it. And really one of the things that um, Pastor Rick said was that uh, the the moral guys in the story are kind of the villain. They're the villains of the story. If you read through the Gospels, it's the guys who, who have the, the Bible college degrees and the guys who are um, upright in the eyes of men, right? Right. Well, it's lightest place. Like they thought Jerusalem was the lightest place ever. Yet Jesus focused and like focused a ton of his rebukes on Jerusalem for being Jerusalem, right. for being that so-called light. But they weren't being light at all. They were darker than they than they had any idea. They were blinder than they could than they could understand. And I, I find there's there's a you know, and I have to be careful down here because I don't know fully know the culture yet, and I've only been here a few months, but some of the, the shocking things are to me that it's not as bright as people say it is down here. It, it, right. it reminds me of Jesus going into Jerusalem and turning over tables and seeing stuff that just disgusts them. Um, and that, that's, I, I don't feel that angst like Jesus did at that moment, but I, I'm getting close, man. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Unpack some of that for me. Like, just, um, I guess I, I kind of feel you just from what I know around here and, and a lot of the churches that I, you know, that I grew up in and was encouraged to kind of go to youth groups and stuff like that. And I'm like, I just wasn't interested. Um, and, and part of it was my heart as well, just seeing how how people hated on other classes of people. Um, I, I'll, I'll use the one that's probably the most uh, up in people's minds right now with the political, you know, bent in the culture today. Um, but as far as, you know, gay people, people who struggle with same-sex attraction, just being hated on. Like, you know, what's your sin, dude? I, I, I'm a I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Yes, I believe that homosexuality is sin. Um, I believe that I sin also, right? Being a liar is sin. So <laughs> I think it's important to be honest about where we're at. So it's it's easy to see other people's sin in the forefront, right, Scott? Like it's easy to pick on a certain group of people when their sin is out there for everyone to see. Well, I, I think like even if you take, uh, we all love religion, don't we? We all love uh, like check boxes. And if we do this, this, and this, then we're clear. And right. And, when we're good, and I mean, I, I know I do. I, I I love that kind of stuff. I you know I read the Bible quite a bit, and I have a a Bible reading plan that I I enjoy checking off. You know, each day that I read and seeing how many days I have left, and that sort of thing. And even like I think of the like the twelve steps. Um, you know, and you you kind of opened up with you know steps four, five, and six, and you know what? Those aren't bad things, are they? They're they're right. not bad things, but it's I think what happens uh, for for me is that uh, we think that we do the 12 steps and now that we're over the 12 steps, we're done and we don't have to go back to step four and make a fearless moral inventory of ourselves because we did that right. at one point. And I think that gets to the heart of, uh, you know, Russ, some of the things that you and I have talked about, you know, kind of First Corinthians uh First Corinthians 15, where it says, "I would now I'd remind you, brothers, of the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain." I think a lot of people understand that they have been 
that they've received the gospel, that there's that one-time event where Jesus came and he rescued them and he saved them and they, they you know, prayed the sinner's prayer or whatever. It right. Did the altar call? Well, in a, in a, in a Baptist culture, it's, you've, been Baptist four, you've been baptized four times and hopefully this time it'll take. And and I think it's a misunderstanding. It's like, it's this idea that you think that being saved is simply a one-time event. And it goes with addiction as well. Like, I mean, a bit of my story is that I was an asphalt paver for 10 years, which, by the way, should be the normal route to pastoral ministry. (laughs) Very true. Um, Yeah, and and I, I was addicted to chewing tobacco. For you know, twelve years I chewed a can a day, and so that addiction is something that, quite honestly, I still wrestle with. I still wrestle with. Um, I haven't chewed in over four years. Uh, I haven't smoked in over four years. I haven't had tobacco of any sort or kind in, in four years. Yet, not a week goes by that I just don't crave it at some right. point during that week. And so if I think, well, I was delivered from that, I was saved from that, just this one-time event, but I forget that to go on in which I received this, like I, I'm, I'm saved from it, I, I stand in it. I stand in the fact that I no longer chew. I stand in the fact that I no longer, you know, need that nicotine, and I have to remind myself, again, that's a, the 15, you know, right now I would remind you and, and kind of this idea of just reminding ourselves that, hey, I'm free from this and I am also being saved. So I need to just continually walk it out. And I think a lot of times with the addiction and it's like we feel like we get over something and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, we get over the mountain and it's all downhill from here and we forget that it's right. actually uh, like the 12 steps are, are decent if you keep taking them. Exactly. That's one thing that I had a hard time with with the 12 steps was because of the drugs and alcohol and and going through. I was forced into it. You know, I had a couple of negative experiences with people that I knew through it. And so um, one of the the problems I had with it was that it was like, okay, well, if these didn't work for drugs and alcohol, and, and I'd get a lot of listeners who sent emails saying, I need to do step this and do the step that more. And I'm like, dude, it didn't work when you were doing drugs. Like, it didn't work when you were a drunk. How How is it working now? But but you're right. It's kind of going back through not just the steps, but realizing that, you know, going through like God has us, you know. Mm. I mean, we're, we're not the, the highest. We don't have it all together and that we need God to walk through, you know, these situations in our lives. Um, you're right. It's kind of going back to that that part of in in First Corinthians 15, which is one of my favorite parts of the Bible too, because it it also shows that Christianity isn't built on religion; it's built on human history. Like he says that too. Like Jesus died, you know, he was resurrected, and and, and he walks again, and and, and it, it, it that that's not a you know do this do that thing, is it, Scott? No, and, and he says this is of first importance, and I think right. I, I don't. Again, it's the to do this, don't do that. I don't think that's necessarily bad. Right. Like it, it's not bad. Uh, it's actually really good to not go and sleep with prostitutes. That's right. 
right? Like Amen it's really good. Yeah, it's really good to not do that. But when the sense that like you get um, like morally above that and not knowing that that could still be a proclivity or a problem or a you know a potential like downside, then all of a sudden you're standing in arrogance and you forget the fact that yes, you were saved, but you're also being saved, and you need to. Like sometimes those boxes get checked, but then they get unchecked in life, and you got to go back and just re. I, I really actually love step four: make a make a fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I don't think that that stops. Right, it's honest. <laughs> well, well, man, may we always be honest in that way. So, I've done a ton of counseling, and I've never. I've never seen somebody that's like, yeah, it's just completely gone, and I never struggled with it. That idea in Christianity, you know, that we get sold. Like, I was a Christian, and God delivered me from, you know, methamphetamines overnight. And, you know, that can happen. But the truth is, is that they need to continue to walk that out, stand in that, and walk that out every day. And if if you follow up with their stories, it's never easy. Never. That's right. And it gets tainted as if it's like some easy thing, and that. I think that's false, and it's a miss. Um, it's actually leading your people just to think that like freedom's some mystical thing when it's just something that Jesus does and He's doing. Right. He's so, a way better God than tobacco or pornography or you know drugs and alcohol, and it's it's just you know this this idolatry thing that we have in our hearts. Um, my my friend John Glisson, who uh, does twelve step groups weekly at his church, reminded me of of step twelve. The twelve steps, whether we like it or not, um, are based on, on Christian biblical teaching. I, I used to not like that, but the more I've studied them, the more it's true. I heard an atheist uh, guy who studied theology. He was an addict, and he was uh, forced to go into a 12-step group. I think this was one of those court cases or something. And he said, I know Christian theology. And he says, and he says the 12 steps are Christian, and that's why I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just at least be like, okay. But that kind of blew my mind a little bit. So it, it also had me curious to, to go in and study them more. Um, but again, right. my friend John Glisson was telling me about step 12. Um, having had a spiritual awakening, awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message on to other addicts and to participate these principles in all our affairs. So this is kind of the the anti one and done, you know, like you were saying, like this right. this message that's in a lot of religious cultures. It's just you know, I mean, I hear I hear a pastor say it, I kind of wince a little bit. We believe if you say this prayer, you got saved, and your life is just. <laughs> um, but yeah, wincing is wincing is putting it nicely. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, having having a, a spiritual awakening. I mean, that's that's kind of the same thing as getting saved, right? And it's yeah, using it I, in I, other terms. I haven't studied the twelve steps, you know, even nearly as much as you have. I, I don't know, again, kind of looking at the First Corinthians, like, 15, it seems like we need an awakening constantly. I think right. that that's what the, I think that's what the, the standing, uh, the standing piece of it is, is, you know, kind of standing strong in Jesus when, 
standing strong in Jesus when our proclivities to, to satisfy the flesh and actually look to other gods to satisfy us, that standing sense is that spiritual awakening that needs to um, constantly happen in our life. It's, it's as if um, it's, not, it's not making Jesus your first priority, it's making Jesus the center of all your life. And if you do that, then you need that spiritual awakening every day. Like, That's right. Right? I mean, if we go, uh, if we go without, in fact, uh, I, the church plant that I'm starting, our, our kind of our motto is meeting Jesus moving forward. And this idea of meeting Jesus is a one-time event. But then if somebody's met Jesus already, then they need to keep meeting with him on an ongoing basis. And you can say they need to have a spiritual awakening to, to the realization that Jesus is Lord on an ongoing basis practice these principles in all their affairs, and that's just making Jesus your center. That's very true. Um, one, of the, one of the things that impressed me about, about you and uh, just being a, a minister at, at Mars Hill, Scott, is, is your, <clears throat> your love for people. You're, you know, just being out there with people. Like, nobody had to tell you to. You didn't get it out of some manual or something, but you you were there every morning greeting people as they came in. You knew people. You knew a ton of people at that church. You know people's stories, and you, uh, you know, that's one of the, the light that, that you shined that really attracted me to, to you as a person and you as a, a spiritual leader, so to speak, Cred, as a pastor, is that, right. is that you care about people, you know, and that you know that it's we're all on a journey we're not one of us are perfect but uh you really seem to get that and I, I you know you and i've talked a little bit about some of the stuff that you've seen in 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 the culture there in texas as far as you know the religious culture mm-hmm. um what would you say to to the, the someone listening who who would say scott you know i I know Jesus and I, and I've been through the Bible and I, and I know the Bible, but I'm so stuck in my addiction to pornography or to sexual addiction. Uh, I keep returning back to this thing over and over again. I'm scared to death to talk about it at my church because I'm afraid of what people might think, or I'm afraid of, uh, you know, losing my job. In some cases there, there, there are pastors listening now. Um, yeah. What would you say to those those folks coming from the the Seattle kind of Mars Hill culture to 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 the Texas kind of moral culture? How would you how would you answer that? Well, I'll, so thank you. First of all, I do love people, and I mean, God, it's God's grace just as a pastor to be able to to love people. So I um, and and that's just a, a, a gift that God has given. That man, I don't. I don't take any credit for it because I know that there's days when I just don't like people at all. So (laughs) um, Sunday's just not one of them, I guess. Uh, But, um, you know, and I I really do, I love people. I want to see people meet, meet Jesus very sincerely. And I think what I would tell the people, it really depends on uh, the, the situation and it depends on the person and it depends on their story. So, in one sense, there's there's a bit of a um, uh, like I, I can't.
can't really answer that question. Uh, and I don't, that's just me. I'm not a huge fan of like, okay, talk to this general population. But one thing I would <laughs> right. say is, is, is this, is that when, when, when Jesus saved us, he set us free. Um, uh, he who the Son sets, him free, it sets free is free indeed. And, and we need to kind of get to the core of like who God says we are. And I think what we do, well, I know what I do when I'm struggling with my, my idolatry and my sin is I'm just, it, in one sense I'm saying, God, I don't really believe you. I don't really believe that you call me this. I don't believe that you, my, my name is what my name is. My name is Christian, and that means that I'm no more pure, spotless, holy than Jesus himself because Jesus gave me his righteousness. So right. I stand before God uh, pure, holy, white. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't have indwelling sin. I'm just saying that's how God sees us. And we will be that way fully one day when we see Jesus face to face. But I think right. in, under, in understanding that, the one, the one aspect that we get to uh, really say is like we have, because Jesus did the work, we don't have to have shame in it. We don't have to have this uh, this overwhelming sense of shame, and I think shame is one of the things that keeps us from Christian community because we don't want people to find out what we're actually wrestling with. So we stay away from Christians because, you know, deep down we just think that there's some mystical thing where uh, where you know Christians and pastors in particular can just read me like a book. And you know, for those of you who uh, aren't pastors, uh, that's not true. Uh, right. Sometimes it is. Sometimes the Holy Spirit reveals stuff, but it's more like a, a distancing. We see a distancing and we see you not repenting from sin, and it's just clear and evident that, that something's going on there. And so we pursue that, and that's why we think something's up and something is, and that's God's grace to us. But um, that idea, and if you're a pastor in a church and you can't confess your sin one to another, man, I would say find another church that believes the Bible and believes it's accurate and believes it's true and believes in the fact that you can have no shame in your struggles, in your, your proclivities. Now, that's not a call just like a, a pure grace call and do whatever the heck you want. No, strive for holiness, seek for holiness, but Jesus knew you were going to fail. That's right. And so when he says to fail, he says, confess your sins to one another. And so, and, and that's, that's the idea, because if we have no shame, then we can, we can live it out. We can live in the light. And I think that's just a huge piece that's missing, the actual presence of no shame. Not this idea, not this theological concept of having no shame, but an actual outpouring of living it out where we don't have shame. Uh, because Jesus took that away from us. And being freed from that allows us to grow in holiness, allows us to grow in Christ's likeness, and allows us to just um, continually go uh, before Jesus and want to image him or, you know, look like him more and more as each day passes. Right. Um, I think shame is, uh, you know, I'd like to answer your question, I mean, find out where the shame is. Yeah, and, exactly. and then really... Uh, exhort them to, to live as Jesus said that they are without shame. Yeah, it's an identity thing. You know, it, it goes yeah. to the heart. 
Um, I'm reading the book uh, Samson and the Pirate Monks by a guy named Nate Barkin, who who I really like. And he talks about that in, in the heart of a, a lot of us, you know, who struggle with addiction, I guess you could even call a lot of us sinners, but there's there's a certain proclivity to be like the Lone Ranger Christian. Like, I tend to want to be alone um, in in my thoughts, in my sin, in the deep stuff that I don't necessarily share with other people. So speaking a little bit to Texas culture, there can be a lot of folks who are in Bible studies. Um, you know, I've got a lot of emails from folks who went to a Bible study and they didn't end up talking about their own hearts, but talking about what other people should be thinking or what the culture should be believing. So they'll read a piece of scripture and go, oh, can you believe that President Obama passed this or that, right? <laughs> Instead of talking about, you know, it's almost it's almost a pull to kind of do that. It's almost a, a temptation to crack open the Bible and not let it cut through our, our bones crack and marrow. open sections of the Bible. Exactly. Mis- misapply some things. Right. Take the Obama thing, for example. And this happens, but then they, they ignore that God calls us as men to lift up holy hands, to pray for those that God's put in power above us, um, and ask that we may have a peaceable life. And praying for them is not, uh, you know, those there's those Christians down here that pray, they say they pray for Obama, but they pray that he gets diseases or whatever. And it's, man, that's not praying for him. No. That's not, that's not actually, like, extending what the Bible tells us to do, and we need to pray for him. Whether you agree with his policies or not, that has nothing to do with it. Right. Nothing to do with it. God calls us to pray and to seek them out, and we need we need to seek His good. And, uh, and that's my little rant and rebuke for those who would hate <laughs> Obama: is that you you can dislike his policies, but you need to pray for the man. That's right. That's not me being a liberal from Seattle. That's me being a Christian man who see, sought the Scriptures and looked for the totality of Scripture on how to treat those who are in authority over us. Amen to that. And uh, and it does and that and that even in and of itself breaks through that kind of surfacey idea of you know the Bible isn't meant to to cut through my bone and marrow right and even you know even investigating that Scott like you're saying is like yeah okay well what does the Bible say that we should do about with with our leaders it's really breaking a, a having more of a biblical worldview than a than a religious worldview right Scott. Well, and that's that's the thing. I think, you know, I, I heard a sermon preached on the radio down here. It was uh, Revelation 14. Uh-huh. It talks about that there's going to be an angel unleashed on earth and that there's uh, there's going to be, uh, uh, like, a th- I think it was Revelation 14, but there's going to be some of the, the earth is going to be destroyed. And so he went into the implications of Earth was going to be just like parts of the Earth was going to be destroyed. What would that do to the ozone layer and all this kind of stuff? And I'm like, oh, you're missing the point. You're missing the point of Scripture. Like, have you read the book? Talking about like there's going to be wrath and judgment poured out. It's not talking about like what what's going to happen to the ozone. Yeah, there may be effects to the ozone, but you're you're going outside of what Scripture talks about to to do it. And I, I think that that's a huge piece like to this religious culture is like this. This book, the Bible, God's word to us is is living and active and sharper than any 
two-edged sword. And quite honestly, we use it as just, uh, um, it, it cuts us. It cuts us. Like, I, I think of Hebrews, Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning right. the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from the sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who must give an account. Man, that scripture is not just for you out there. That's for me right now. Right. It, it lays me bare. It fillets me. I'm standing naked before God, meaning nothing's hidden. And then it says, then since we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. And this is the beauty of the gospel, man. Like, yeah. if we're able to confess our sin and actually believe the Bible over against our thoughts, which is, again, that's missing because we're trying to fit all our grid into what the Bible says and trying to pawn off our, our, um, our stuff as if it was what Jesus said. I mean, it's just like those who just live in sin and never want to repent from anything, their, their favorite verses don't judge. It's like, man, you, right. you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And, right. and it's just like the Republicans that, you know, well, Obama likes abortion, and we're not to kill babies, so we should hate him. <laughs> you're not taking the scriptures into account, man. You're, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. We shouldn't kill babies. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly, 100% agree. I think abortion does that. But at the same time, it says that we should pray for our leaders. Yeah. Not pray against them. Trust me, Amen. I've had... Too many people say, oh, I'm praying for him. No, you're not. You're praying against him. That's called discernment. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's, if we evaluate our own hearts based on those, that kind of critical thinking towards our leaders, you know, what, what does it mean for, for the, the guy who might show up with a, with a sexual addiction, right? The guy in your, yeah. in your office who's cheating on his wife and he's afraid to tell anybody because he knows that that it's gonna there's gonna be like a bomb going off, you know. If you have that heart towards towards other people out there in the culture, what what happens in you when when that cat walks into your office? And some people are gonna be able to relate to that guy, and some people are going to you know go over here in this kind of karmic based <laughs> I don't know weird Christian like be careful listening to the radio down there, Scott. I tell you what. I turn on Christian radio here, and I can't listen for a few hours without, you know. Yeah, there's only there's only one FM station up there. There's like six or seven down here, dude. Oh wow, it's unbelievable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. hard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, uh, I'm with you, and I'm glad you're down there, and I'm glad well, you're. Uh... Well, I think a lot of that though, Russ, is like what happens is. Um, um, I'm particularly in pastors because people, it's funny, I came from an asphalt paving background where I never made more than like 22 bucks an hour. And uh, one of my first months as a pastor, I had a guy who makes, you know, triple digits uh, every year come up to me and ask me for financial advice. And I'm like, all right, well, this is this is what I got. But the, the admitting to the fact that like, well, I don't know, like my advice to him was to go seek out a a good accountant and not worship his money right. because 
like, I, I can't give them financial advice. What I can say is, like, hey, here's what idolatry for uh, uh, loving money over against God looks like. But I think the idea is, like, this whole idea of repentance. And there, there's a misunderstanding of what repentance is, really. Um, a lot of people, like, simply put, repentance is admitting that you're wrong and in turning uh, from your sin back towards God, right? Right. But there, there's there's a, a a lot to that. There's also like the Holy Spirit awakens us to see our sin, and then there's the awareness and acknowledgement that we need to turn away from our sin. Then there's the turning from sin. Then there's the recognition of great grace through Christ, uh, grace in Christ through faith for that sin. And then there's and then there's walking in light of that newfound forgiveness. And then there's mm-hmm. also a piece that I think uh, uh, Americans just dismiss uh, completely because they think it's a works-based thing. And I don't think it is. I think it's an actual indication of the heart change. But there's uh, pain, like making restitution where it's needed. Um, right. That that's not uh, that's not a works-based thing. That doesn't. And, and, and so, you know, again, it's like paying back restitution. If you if you steal from people money and you're like, oh, I'm so grateful for this forgiveness and you still have the money and never give it back or never try to work to give it back, I wonder if you're, if you're really convicted of that sin or if you really think it's bad and if you've really turned away from it or you just ignored it. Right. Um, and then there's the continual repentance, just a willingness to be wrong. I think, man, and that willingness to be wrong doesn't bode well in a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, independent culture like, uh, and this is the same as ever is, is it here in Texas. This, uh, this willingness to be wrong um, is not there because that's actually called humility and it's considering someone uh, better than yourself. And then um, I think too, one of the things uh, I think one of the things that happens with um, addicts quite often is they they're continually looking at their sin, but they forget to look to Jesus rather than their own sin. A, a, a big a, a big piece of it is that we need to a part of repentance is looking to Jesus. If I constantly looked at my tobacco intake and the fact that I don't chew anymore, and I stop looking to Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of my faith, man, that's a I'm focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah, that's so. absolutely right. It's that. Uh, uh, forgive me, Second Corinthians uh, seven ten, I believe, where you know talking about shame. You know the the, the worldly regret, the worldly guilt, or shame is is uh, it leads to death. You know, because we're focused on on our on our sin, and, and the, it makes us feel bad. You know, that's part of the cycle of addiction. If you look in in psychological terms, one of the one of the spokes on the wheel of the cycle of addiction is is guilt. It's feeling bad, and 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 yeah, you probably should feel bad. If you don't feel bad, you're you're a sociopath, right? But what do you do you with that? Feel you know, because you it, might actually be guilty. Exactly. But it's letting that conviction, conviction is different than worldly guilt. You know, God gives us the conviction to see some change because he loves us, because he wants good for us. Sometimes we forget that. We And sometimes in that religious culture where everybody's talking about how 
the world should get hell or that guy should get hell or Hollywood should get hell or Obama and, you know, the liberals or whatever should get hell um, or the Republicans, if you're in that camp, right, the Republicans yeah. should get hell. You know, if we're, if we're constantly thinking like that, then when it comes to my sin, I don't want to talk about my sin because of my own I don't get that, right? It's it's the conviction. Like, God wants good for those people. Like you were saying about the president. God wants good for our country. God wants us to repent of sin so that the country will be better, you know, because he wants to see good for us. And sometimes we forget that, don't we, Scott? Well, I know I do. Yeah. I know you do. (laughs) Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, may... I think that's why, again, 1 Corinthians 15 is one of my favorite scriptures, like, because it says, now I remind you. And that, that constant reminder is so key, man. It's so key yeah. to, to just never stop meeting Jesus. Yeah, never stop realizing his love for us. And that makes yeah. us, draws us to him, you know? That man, that he draws us unto himself just by allowing us to remember who he is. Um, I love it, man. Uh, that's, that's, I'm just grateful Jesus has pursued the snot out of me. Cause yeah. I'm, I mean, I think that's what <clears throat> one thing that like, you know, you've seen in me is just like, I'm just an average dude, uh, but I'm a pastor. Um, right. And man, may there be more average dude pastors that just admit that they got problems. That would be really helpful. Well, and it, what it would do is I, I think it would help with a lot of the sexual addiction because it's so rampant in our in our society because it's like, hey, man, I may not struggle with that, but I certainly struggle. And then all of a sudden right. it's like, hold on, like, but I don't, I'm not going to make an excuse for my struggle. I'm going to still strive to be like Jesus in the midst of that and, and try and overcome it by, uh, by the grace of God that he's given me and try and live out who Jesus says that I am rather than who I say I am. And, and so I'm going to try and strive to be pure, spotless, holy. But the fact is, is that, like, I fail miserably at times. And Jesus is right there saying, yeah, but I've called you this. Yeah, that called reminder. You. Reminder. Remind you are being saved. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think I think that's just one of those areas where it's just a, it's a really big deal, bro. That identity and who we are, who Jesus is says that we are, again, it's kind of like because we've taken the Bible and use it as this uh, this sword to stab people rather than this sword to fillet us and look at our own lives and, and you know, have it, uh, have it divide us, have us stand mm-hmm. naked before God and unashamed and, and just Jesus is like, I love you. I know that's there. I know that's yeah. there. I don't want it there but I still love you. That's right. Um, man, that's, that's freeing, I think. Yeah. And the fact that we carry some of our, our flaws um, for as long as we do is also God pursuing us. Because if he just yeah. took it away from us overnight, we might miss, you know, some of what cuts cleansing out of us. There's always something under sexual addiction. There's always something under... Um, any kind of addiction, there's something that God is, is, you know, working to, to bring to the surface, Mm. you know, and whether that's trust for him or a past wound or whatever it is, um, God is loving and gracious and kind. And we, 
you know, we can approach his throne of grace with confidence, right? That's Amen. also in Hebrews, right? It's, it, it, we're so, instead of having that fear, um, a good fear is what I, what my life will be like if I don't repent. What, if, what happens if I keep returning to this, if I keep navel-gazing, if I keep letting fear and guilt own me? Um, but the, the good news, again, is that, like you were saying, um, how God sees us. I heard, I think it was Martin Luther that said, we're like snow-covered dung. <laughs> it's just a, kind of a crude analogy, but, but very true, right? Well, I know it's true for you, at least, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. God doesn't see, well. right? He works works in us, and as we're being as we're being changed from the inside out, you know. Like God saves us saves us as individuals, but then He saves us uh, to be His people. So He right. takes us from an individual status and makes us a nation, and and then. It, then it's about the nation. It's not about individuals. And I think that American individuality has just got it wrapped up to where it's all about us, 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 and we forget actually the bigger picture that it's about Jesus, man. Yeah, it is. His that bride. kind of lone ranger, lonely Christian, oh, you know. Good Lord. Cowboy. That right? guy. That guy has. Uh, that guy has issues. That, he uh, does. And probably deep seated sin. That he won't that's reveal to anybody. That's my theory on the uh, midlife crisis. I think it's just men get a certain age and all of their stuff just starts to leak, right? Like yeah. they just can't contain it anymore. And it starts to leak, and then everybody obviously sees it because it's it's gross, and you're trying to be 20 years old again, and it's just not working, right? <laughs> Dude, I was uh, I preached a sermon at this church. Couple months ago, and one of the things I said I was talking about First Peter three uh, one through seven, and it talks about you know in women this imperishable beauty that has nothing to do with adornment. And I said, you know, have you ever seen the you know sixty five year old lady who's spent a lot of time and money to make her body look young? Is she fooling any of you? The right. No, she may be fooling herself and a couple of her disillusioned friends, but. Like you can't, there's some things you, no amount of surgery can hide. Like, That's right. You know, and, and I think that that disillusionment is just so funny. And I think that's that's one thing that we need to. I mean, I, I don't think we need we can ever really stop grappling with the fact that God calls us pure, spotless, and holy, but at the same time, like we have this indwelling sin. I, one author I recently read, he says we all have sin spots and we all have blind spots. The sin mm-hmm. spots we gotta do our best to put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um that looks different for for each individual. Um uh and uh the blind spots are like again some of the cultural blind spots down here in Dallas Fort Worth I can I can see them man because I'm not from here. I'm not right. blind to those things. But like the blind spots that are in the northwest I, I can't see him as much just because that's where I've spent, you know, the majority of my life. It's, it's very, very eye opening. Yep. Right. Sunshine is one thing that you got down there, right? We don't have a lot of crazy <laughs> down there. <laughs> I, I'm happier, and I don't struggle with depression as much. So, 
That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love sun. I love sunshine. And uh, bass fishing is something else that we have that there is in Washington, but it's just too cold to get out there and do. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It gets chilly. Yeah. Salmon are running too right now. It's awesome. Um, Trying to get a chance to get out there. Dude, I thank you for being on the show again. Um, bringing this uh this honest perspective to to our our sin the stuff that we do that you know and, and there's a lot of folks that listen that aren't christian and, and maybe i should clear that up a little bit sin in i heard a psychologist talking about this he spent a couple lectures talking about kind of moral relativism but then he goes on later on in his lectures he goes on to talk about sexual ethics when it comes to you know being a therapist with somebody which had me thinking, okay, well, that's the sin part that you don't like to talk about. Like, it's almost like they're trying to make people feel better by saying there's no such thing as sin because sin makes people feel bad. But then over here, he says, we got to, you know, we got to remember our, our ethics, right? So, um, I don't understand. I honestly don't understand when people say there's no sin because it's, it's clear if sin is just anything that's wrong or bad, it's clear that there's sin in the world. That's right. Uh, and, and I guess that's, that's just a maybe a simplistic understanding, but uh, working in asphalt paving for as long as I did uh, and working in church for as long as I have, I, it's clear that there's sin in the world. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So I guess it's uh, maybe clearing up that hollow shallow sort of a worldview on on moral relativism Um, yeah no i was gonna say too like for the non-christian uh you know the non-christian listeners that you have there's nothing more that like i as a pastor that i would desire that that you're free from this this sexual addiction that you're free from whatever addiction you may be struggling with that you can get through it and and again i i would hope that you see jesus as lord rather than uh drugs as lord and um you know it's one of those things where i think the inauthenticity of so many christians uh, like does that gives us a bad name but the truth is that jesus is amazing and jesus right. really does change us from the inside out and the, and the truth is is that there are sincere Christians out there that live their lives wholly unto God and actually practice what they believe. There are just not as many of them as there is uh, Christians who actually don't necessarily believe the Bible and just like it for pure morality. Right. So, yeah. And I think okay. there's something happening in our culture, and, and that's another reason, you know, I miss you, dude. <laughs> I miss you being here in Everett, but I'm also glad that you're down there because yeah. the fact that, that so many churches are closing down there. The fact that I've heard, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard in Texas, um, a lot of the churches have the, the largest decline of uh, of people going to church than any other place in the country. And maybe that's, this is part of that, that we're awakening to a deeper uh, reality in, in being more thoughtful um, about our faith and, and realizing that there are other people in the world besides us and our little clique, so to speak. Right, Scott? Well, yeah. And I, I mean, again, yeah, it is true. Like it's not, it's <clears throat> Texas is the fastest declining state in the union uh, as far as church growth. And I think that if we as pastors admit that 
no, this actually might be a good thing because people who say they're not Christians are all of a sudden feel the freedom to say, hey, I know I'm raised in church, but I'm not a Christian. I don't know if I believe mm -hmm. this stuff. I don't know if I believe that guy because he seems super insincere. I don't know mm -hmm. if I believe I think that that breeds a healthiness. So then all of a sudden, when you're actually struck with someone who really believes the, the scriptures and really believes what God did in their lives and is really actually wrestling with something. I met with one guy earlier today. He was like, uh, he said, well, the way that you're kind of forming your church plan, do you think it'll work? I'm like, man, I don't know. I, I'm going <laughs> right. to give it a go, though. And he's like, right. oh, that's, that's really refreshing. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I don't know yet. Instead of like, and you know, instead of just being arrogant about it, of course it will. Why do you ask that question? Like, it's going, <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, so I think I think that that's, that's actually, it's it <clears throat> looks like a bad thing, but I think it could be a good thing. Cause I, one thing I love about the Northwest is, like, if you're not a Christian in the Northwest, you say, I'm not a Christian, and it's okay. Um, right. Here, you, you can't really say that as much with, without being not okay and without getting condemning eyes from... Uh, someone, and it, it's unfortunate, man. That's right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Is if, you, if you're in Texas and you hang around there long enough, people will ask you, you know, what do you do for a living? Um, are you married? That kind of thing. And then where do you go to church? That's just kind of in there, isn't it? Uh, I think. Yeah, I think so. Again, that's just. <laughs> uh, I'm not as. I'm not as sure with that one. I'm still. Uh, again, not being here as long. Uh, right. Only the r real obvious ones, and I. Uh, but the the church question does come up. Actually, it's more assumed than asked, is what I've seen. Like people just assume that instead of going, uh, you do you go to church? It's like, well, what church are you at? Right. But then again, like, I wear, I have glasses, and I look. I think I look like a pastor. At least when I'm around other pastors, I'm like, man, I need to change my style. I look like <laughs> everybody here. <laughs> So, well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, let, Less let me pre <laughs> preconceived notions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, man, I want to talk about your your what you're doing down there, and maybe there's somebody listening who believes in, in what you're doing. And I have a lot of listeners that are in the South, and a lot of my donors, people that have donated to this podcast, um, ha are from that area. And, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of open this up to a little bit of, because hey it takes money right and i you know i want to talk about what folks could do to help you out maybe a little bit getting this thing off the ground because you're fresh down there i mean this just you just moved down there really recently right yeah well we moved down here knowing nobody and it's kind of a been an interesting journey so i like just more than just the money you know what church planting takes is provision and god's the one that provides and builds his church so we trust in that but provision is definitely more than more than finances it's uh it, it although it includes it as well but like it's people is a huge piece if you know anyone in Benton, please send them to our website www reclaimden.com and I would love to buy them a cup of coffee, sit down, meet with them, talk to them about <clears throat> Jesus, talk to them about uh, where they're at in life and and that sort of thing and, and just really share with them and see. Uh, and truth is, is that if God doesn't want them coming to our church, I don't want them coming to our church either. So it's not like I'm trying to make 
a, a sales pitch for our church. In fact, I'm a horrible salesman. I just like I love uh, Jesus, and so then you know financially as well. I mean, my wife and I are looking at uh, starting a building. It, it's funny, church planting doesn't pay the bills, uh, which is interesting, and I think that's actually uh, to be countercultural down down here, where I've seen a lot of. Uh, ministers just simply think that ministry is just an occupation rather than a calling, which I right. think is disgusting. Um, mm-hmm. My wife and I are actually, uh, you know, we've been living the last four months off savings, and then we're actually just going to start a business so that we can um, continue to do this for free for as long as we can. Um, right. and, and so that our congregation isn't leaning us on us for uh for finances. However, that being said, part of provision is providing. Like we still need, we still need uh, space to 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 rent, and that costs money. We still need to uh, continue to uh, seek what God has for us. And, and in planting the church, the starting a church is not cheap, man. It's not cheap. No, it's and, not. It's, uh, and again, you can go to the website www.reclaimdenton and find out how to support us there. And we've kind of been looking for. Uh, over a hundred donors to support us for seventy-five dollars a month for a year, and that just uh, that actually pays for my health insurance because my my daughter's got some health complications and um, and it does not uh, pay my salary. So it is right. just actually safe, it's a matter of savings that we can do a couple things the way that modern churches do them. So we can buy a sound system for crying out loud because that's how churches right. do. And mm-hmm. I don't have a very strong voice. It fades quickly, so I need a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, That's right. Yeah. You can, you know, it's like some of the Pastor Mark says, you can, you know, use use people and love money, or you can love people. And and the facts are in this this world, um, it does take money. Yeah. So you didn't ask me to to help raise finances for you or anything like that. I just want listeners to to realize that people get weird about money. Um, yeah. Don't give don't give to me. All right, this month if you guys some of you guys who donate, I I, I really believe in Scott and what he's doing down there, and and uh, I I would like for for you to to help him out if you're if you feel called to do that because um, I believe in what you're doing and uh, I just see a lot of a lot of dryness down there that maybe you can bring a, a different uh, different perspective and maybe punch through to that third layer uh, that uh, a lot of folks down there are so afraid to get to. Man, I, I hope so. I mean, that's I mean, Russ, you know, that's that's just a, a prayer that that we have, and I mean, uh, it's it, it, it's interesting because you know you know me as a pastor of a, a you know six hundred person church, and right now I'm a pastor of a six person church, and it's just right. different. And that's again where the identity comes from Christ. It doesn't come from doesn't come from the the size that doesn't attribute a value to me. And right. so it's just been it's been great to see God work in that and we love it. We're excited that, about what God's gonna do. And I, I'm telling you, the longer I'm down here, uh the more uh the more and more I'm convinced that there's just a huge need here for sincere right. Christianity. And thanks thank God for six of them, right? That's that's good. I'm I'm glad you're yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So well Scott, you. uh 
being being a pastor and all, uh, maybe you could uh, go ahead and pray us out as we end this session uh, here. I would, I would love that. Here. All right, uh, go for it, Darren. Yeah, Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we could uh, we could talk about Jesus and what it means to meet Jesus not only on a one-time basis but on a daily basis. Lord, may we not neglect that. May the those that don't know you and, and listen uh, find relief and healing uh, through you. And God, will you allow those who have forgotten to continually meet you and stand in your presence, will you allow them your grace to do that? God, I pray that you will protect us from that attitude that says, I've already been saved or I've already completed the steps and that, Lord, we can continually come before you, reassessing where we're at at all times, being honest with ourselves and and with you in, in, in community, Lord, so that we can uh, really uh, have people around us that support us and love us and, and care and can speak into our lives. Uh, God, will you just uh, continue to use the, this podcast so that people may may know you and people may feel the freedom that, that you have for them, Lord? I pray that you bless Russ and, and just his ministry. And God, will you allow um, the salvation to those who don't know you because of it? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My name is Russ. The website is asi247.org. Um, give me your website one more time, Scott. www.reclaimdenton.com. .com. Thanks again, Scott, for being on the show, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And until next time, bye. I was a prodigal son. I was hellbound on my own. I was a wandering sheep till you came and rescued me. You were my redemption. You were my salvation. You called me out the dead to
called me out from death to life. You beckoned me.